Happy Thanksgiving. How many of you uh, did some shopping over the last couple of days? Wow. This is a really smart group, I have to say. How many of you drove on slippery roads? Most of us getting here this morning, right? Um, How many of you witnessed firsthand a really bad driver on slippery roads? How many of you witnessing that bad driver had some thoughts go through your mind that maybe weren't the best about that driver? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I had the... uh, the, the great fortune this morning of coming to church a little early, bringing my son uh, for, for tech booth duty, and then going back and picking up my daughter from, from a friend's house this morning. So I got to make a couple of trips at a couple of different times, and, and I think there was the same person driving back and forth on one of the roads that I went, just being ridiculous. And it fits so well with the message this morning, because today I want to talk a little bit about forgiveness. And uh, to do that, I, I want to I share a little bit of a, a story from, from my youth. Um, and as Pastor Jeff likes to say, if you've talked with him uh, about things going on, he'll, he'll use this phrase, umbrella of mercy. Okay? That means... He can say some things, and, and we can't get mad at him about it. It's just to drive the conversation. So would you all join me this morning in, in putting on an umbrella of mercy? Can you do that for me as we begin, especially as I share a little bit? I grew up in a small town, and by small I mean about 100 people, in southwestern Minnesota. So this is, this is a real, true, small town. This isn't... Someone from the city saying, yeah, I grew up in a small town of 50,000. 100 people. 39 houses. I know because I delivered papers to all 39 houses. And this was a town that back in probably the 30s and 40s um, had, had actually been a, a neat little town with a grocery store and an active uh, train uh, depot there with, with the elevator for the farmers, things like that. But by the time I came along, a bypass had been built around the town. So, so the main highway, Highway 23, if you know it, which basically goes from Duluth down to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, across the state. If you look at a map, it's the highway that just cuts right across Minnesota. A bypass had been put in. And so really, all that was there by the time I grew up was these 39 houses. We didn't have a store anymore. There was a store when I was real young, but it, it went away very quickly. And I tell you that because this bypass was perfect for me as a young kid to run a mile. From my door, I could walk out and run up the county road to the highway, run around the bypass to the other entrance and back, and it was exactly mile long around that loop. Say, well, what does that have to do with forgiveness? Well, I did a lot of running as a kid, and it doesn't look like it now, but um, that running was something that I used to get rid of frustration. It was an outlet for me. 
And I like to think that I was as good a runner as I was back then because my dad made me so mad so often. I can remember multiple times as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old kid getting into an argument with my dad, usually ending in because I said so, leaving in a huff, walking outside, and running around the bypass as fast as I could. And it got to the point where, where I would actually intentionally start timing myself to see if I was more angry than last time. Because if I was more angry, I ran faster. And I got down, as a 13-year-old kid, I got down to a five-minute mile, running angry. You see, my dad and I, we just, we just didn't see eye to eye. As I grew up, I was a runner. I ran distance. He ran sprints. He had played football and basketball, and I was cross-country and track, just different things. And I was in drama and speech, and, and we, just, we just never lined up as I got older. And I can remember being so frustrated I'm going to come back to that, but I want you to remember that sense of frustration. That sense of, of just kind of raw bitterness that came from that friction in that relationship. You see, as we, as we talk about forgiveness today, there's a lot, there's a lot to go around. As you look up here at this phrase, I could never forgive, dot, 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 I want you to think about that person or that event that finishes the sentence. You see, the, the, the world tells us sometimes it's okay to finish this sentence, hold on to it, believe it to be true. This is the myth that we want to deal with today. Jesus said in Luke 17, he came to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. And then he says these three very poignant words. So watch yourself. In the King James, it's interesting because that first line, there will always be temptations to sin, is actually translated this way. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. We live in a world that is so easily offended, don't we? There are entire organizations, it seems, whose whole goal is to find things to be offended by. And then get the rest of us to grab hold and hang on to those offenses. We get offended by everything. And Jesus warned us. He said, it is impossible. But that offenses will come. Things are going to happen. Every single person in here 
has faced a situation, a person, a scenario that has caused us hurt or harm. I believe that to be true. Is there anyone in here who has never been hurt or harmed by another? Which means that we all have something to do. Therein lies the challenge. If you want to turn with me to Ephesians, we're going to look at chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. This will be our key verse for the day. And there's, there's an amazing challenge. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Those are pretty amazing words, aren't they? I mean, if you stop and think about it, that part that says instead, instead of bitterness... Instead of rage, instead of anger, instead of harsh words, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And not just in the way that, that the world tells us is the way to do it. Not just in the way of saying, okay, yeah, I'll let it slide. But just as, in the same way, that God through Christ has forgiven us. That is a lofty, lofty challenge. In fact, it, it almost seems impossible, doesn't it? So you might ask the question, do I really have to? And I'm going to be very honest. Most of the message today does not deal with this question of do I have to? Because there, there is a very simple very straightforward answer in the Bible, and I hope we can get to it quickly, agree to it, and then figure out what we do with it. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If. Classic if-then statement right here. If you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. It's black and white, folks. It's very clear. Paul challenges us in his letter to the Ephesians that we need to be forgiving, kind, tender-hearted, just as we've been forgiven in Christ. And Jesus himself says it right here. So do I have to? Yes. Is it easy? No. It is a requirement. Now, thinking back to some of those words, harsh words was one of those things in there. And, and, and I want to go back to that driver and I, I, that, that I saw this morning. And I, I want you to think about a scenario. I want you to put yourself in this place. How many of you have ever been in an argument with someone and then an hour later, maybe two hours later, maybe a day later, maybe a week later, you replay it in your head. But you don't just replay it the way it happened. You replay it 
the way you think you would have said it if you had thought about it ahead of time. You ever done that? You ever replay something, maybe even play it two or three or five or ten times, trying out different conversations with yourself? Oh, if I had just said whatever it is, that would have gotten them. Maybe it would have gone my way if I had said this. Am I the only one? Okay. I used to be... I have to be very careful to not still be really bad at that. That is something that, again, going back to my running, why I would run so fast is because I did that every step of the way. I wasn't thinking about my running. I was thinking about what I was going to say when I got back or what I should have said when I was there before it started. I would replay and replay and replay. And that almost became a habit of mine. It was good in the sense of what the world saw because the world saw a kid out running, putting his, his emotional energy into something positive. But what did it do? It, it sat there and it festered and it became this root of bitterness. Because I would replay it. How many of you have heard of something called visualization that athletes use? Right? If you're a basketball player, you shoot free throws over and over and over till you don't miss, right? Science has actually found now that players who visualize themselves going through the same motions have almost the same level of competence increase as those who just do it physically. So if you shoot 100 free throws and that brings you up X percent, if you imagine yourself doing another 100, you get almost the same benefit just from the visualization. So think about what happens in your mind, in your spirit, when you replay those negative thoughts, those negative emotions, those negative words over and over and over and over again. It becomes as if you had relived it for real. And forgiveness becomes more and more difficult. Because now, what was maybe a little incident to you has become this big thing because you've, you've built it up. There's so many different levels of offense, of harm, types of injury, wrong that others do. Does it mean that, that we have to forgive all of them? We heard from Jesus that, yes, we need to forgive. It's, it's required. But does that mean for, for all of them, the little stuff and the big stuff? Yes. When Jesus was on the cross, he, he didn't cry out, it's finished for those sins. He cried out, it is finished, period. His words were for all sin. He covered every sin. So as we think about that challenge to forgive as Christ has forgiven us, it's got to cover it all. It's not optional, but it is difficult. Sometimes it helps if we can understand what forgiveness is and is not. It can be possible if we understand it better. 
What forgiveness is not? Now, I put the whole list up here. I'm not going to build it. I'm going to give you the whole thing here. Some of you are reading all the way through and you're saying, what, what, what? You're already going there. So hang with me. What it's not, it's not forgetting. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God says, I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. That comes from Jeremiah 31. Now, does that mean that God somehow becomes divinely senile and forgets our sin? No. It means that he doesn't remember it against us. It's expunged from our record. It's no longer maintained on the court order against us. It still happened. It doesn't erase what happened. It just relieves the debt that that injustice caused. Honestly, this is probably one of the one of the hardest things that some people struggle with when they think about forgiveness is is forgetting because we're told to forgive and forget, right? That's actually not found in the Bible. It says that God remembers our sins no more. He does not hold them against us anymore. But we're not actually told to forgive and forget in that phrase. And when we say forgive and forget, that actually becomes a stumbling block to a lot of people because just naturally we have memories that are triggered by things. On my second trip this morning, and I, I saw the same, maybe different, looked the same, similar white car do the same stupid thing in front of me, it brought me back to an hour and a half earlier. I wasn't holding anger against the car that pulled out in front of me the first time, but my memory was triggered. I went, oh, I think that's the same so-and-so. Our memories do get triggered, and if we think that if for some reason our memories get triggered, that means we haven't forgiven. Sometimes we're, we're cutting the value of what God has done in us, in our own forgiveness, short. And we're cutting short what we are actually doing in forgiving someone. Just because our memories get triggered. So be careful of that, okay? Just because you remember something doesn't mean that the whole thing is brought up. Your response to it is the better indicator. If your response stirs up in you the same anger, brings you back to an attitude of hatred or a desire for those harsh words, then maybe we need to check. But if our memory brings us back to a place of understanding what God has done in our lives, the forgiveness that we have received and the forgiveness that we have already given, don't, don't pick the baggage back up. Just leave it where you placed it. There's, there's a piece of that. This has to do with, with our minds. In 2 Corinthians it says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
we can remember something that someone has done to us and take it captive in Christ. That's not the same as being unforgiving again. It also is not, forgiveness is not removing consequences. So often we get uh, this idea that, that if I forgive someone, it means that we're wiping all of the things that happen as a result away. And it's just not true. I had the privilege of serving with Don and a few others in prison ministry a couple of years ago. And I can tell you that the people in there that come to Christ understand that forgiveness is not the same as removing consequences. They are different things. The story of David in the Old Testament is a perfect example of that. He committed adultery and then had the husband of the woman he committed adultery with killed. God forgave him of that. Nathan, his, his helper, his prophet, came to him and called him out on it. And he was remorseful and he repented and it said that God forgave his sin. But what else happened? He still had consequences to those actions. He lost a child. Absalom, the father-in-law, still held bitterness for years after that. In Hebrews 8, it says, I will be merciful to their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. But just a few chapters later in 12, it says, those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Forgiveness is not always removal of consequences. That starts to play into our idea of fairness. Part of the reason we struggle to forgive sometimes is that it's just not fair. People need to be held to account, right? They have to pay. It doesn't mean that, that the consequences are gone. It's, it's not an emotion. Pastor Jeff talked about it with happiness last week, the difference between happiness and joy. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice and an attitude. It doesn't mean I'm going to suddenly feel good about the situation. And if we use the excuse that, you know, I just don't feel like forgiving yet, I would challenge you with this. The time to forgive is always now. Not when our feelings catch up or the hurt has passed. Because if we wait for those things, it may never happen. It's, it's also not a psychological relief. If you go out and type in reasons for forgiveness into Google, you get a lot of pop psychology. We know now that forgiveness actually is really good for us. It's a healthy thing. It reduces stress and it makes us better. Less prone to illness, all sorts of things. But that's not the reason. That's a result, that's an outcome, but it's not our reason. It's not just a step in some self-help program. And I go back 
to what Jesus himself said. We have to do it. It's an obligation. It's an act of obedience, first and foremost. And it doesn't mean that we're giving up justice. It's not fair. I have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old. Parents out there, how many times have you heard those words? It's not fair. I love Christmas time, giving gifts to my kids. I think it's great. But how often do you hear, it's not fair. So-and-so got this, and I only got that. Paul wrote to the Romans, repay no one evil for evil, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Instead, or to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Because it's not fair. And yet God, he, he calls us, commands us to do it. So what is it? If it's not all of those things, all those things that we tend to use as excuses, what is it? It's required. We've hit that. It's an ongoing choice. You know, it's interesting in, uh, um, in Luke 17 where, where Jesus gives this command to forgive. I read that at the beginning. It continues on with this response from Peter. You see, we're told to forgive and then Jesus said if someone sins against you, if your brother sins against you and then comes and repents seven times, forgive him, seven times. And in the Gospels, there's, there's two parallel stories. We get two different pieces of the puzzle. And in Luke, it's interesting because what does Peter say? He, or, or the disciples say, the disciples respond with, oh Lord, you, you can hear the frustration in their voice if you read it. Their response is, oh Lord, Help us increase our faith. And Peter, in, in the account in Matthew, he's, he brings it a little, a little different twist to it. He actually, he, he's, he's thinking he's pretty good, and he says, if, if someone sins against us, should we forgive them seven times? Now that's a pretty good deal. In the old uh, Mosaic law, three times was the number that people were given. Forgive three times. So Peter, he's already up in the ante, right? Should we forgive them seven times? Look at me. And Jesus says, no, forgive them 70 times seven. Now that doesn't mean start counting and when you get to 490, you're done. That's not what it means. It's a number that means all the time. Keep on going. It's a big number. which just makes it that much harder to comprehend how this can be possible. Someone sins against you and you forgive them and they do it again. 
And they come back and they say, I'm sorry, and you forgive them. And then they do it again and again and again. And yet we're commanded to do it. 70 times 7. A Puritan theologian named Thomas Watson back in the 17th century painted a picture. He asked the question as he was commenting on the Lord's Prayer where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He was commenting on that and he said, what does that look like effectively? He said, when do we forgive others? In what situation? What does it look like? And he gave this response, and it's, it's really interesting because it hits so many of the, the, the points that we're talking about. When we strive against all thoughts of revenge, take things captive. When we will not do our enemies mischief, but wish well to them. We grieve at their calamities, we pray for them, we seek reconciliation with them, and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. And every one of those has biblical backing. Every single one of those. Romans 12, we read, never take your own revenge. Leave that to God. Don't seek to do the mischief. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. Wish them well. Bless those who curse you. Oh, that's a hard command, isn't it? Grieve at their calamities. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Proverbs 24. Pray for them. But I say to you, Matthew 5.44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Seek reconciliation. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Romans 12, 18. Be always willing to come to their relief. Exodus 23, 4. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall surely return it to him. If you see someone in the ditch that you don't like, help him anyway. Even if it's the white car that almost cut you off and made you go in the ditch. Pray for them. Help them. Now, it's interesting. There, there's an observation here that I want to make because we talk about reconciliation and, and the commands that we've looked at have to do with forgiveness really as a, as a two-part equation. Repentance and forgiveness. And that pattern is the same just as Christ has forgiven us, right? We repent of our sin. We turn away from our sin and toward God and we receive forgiveness from him. So what about the person that doesn't repent? This is where it really gets tough. That white car this morning that, that almost cut me off twice probably doesn't even have any idea. One, who I am. Two, that, that they did what they did. Do I wait to forgive that person until they come to me and say, oh, I recognize your car. You were behind me. I cut you off. I'm sorry not really possible, right? We wouldn't expect that. In fact, I'm not sure that in the Bible the term forgiveness is ever actually applied to an unrepentant person. The two always go together. Again, in Luke 17, Jesus said, be on your guard. Watch yourself. 
If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins again seven times in a day and returns to you saying, I repent, forgive him. There's this sense in which full forgiveness is only possible in response to repentance. But even when a person does not repent, we are commanded to love our enemy and pray for those who persecute us and do good to those who hate us. We have to therefore do our part it's a two-sided coin, but we always have to be willing to present our side. We have to learn to live in an attitude of forgiveness, ready and willing to offer it, to continue to live out Christ-like character. How is it possible? It's enabled by the Holy Spirit as an act of faith. Those bottom two bullet points there. Here's some practical ways. You start by focusing on how God has forgiven you. We reflect on all the ways that we've sinned against God. Think about the price he paid. And we focus on our gratitude for what God is doing in our lives. Not just once, but still in forgiving us of our sins. It's an act of faith. You know, it's, it's interesting, just as, as Christ has forgiven us, again, it's faith. And, and, and how do we receive faith? We, we receive faith from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of grace that he gives us. He calls us. In fact, it's the first duty of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin to repentance. And so he makes us aware gives us this gift of faith that allows us to turn to God and receive his forgiveness. It's an act of faith. When you don't have the power, when you don't think it's possible, when it's just not in you, you have to find it in Christ. Philippians 4 has so much to say about this. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Struggling to forgive? Find the strength in Christ. Seek his Holy Spirit for the power working in you to get you there. I want to read from Philippians 4, starting at verse 4. And this is appropriate coming after Thanksgiving. We often associate this verse with Thanksgiving. But I think it fits into our conversation here today. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about every, anything, but in every situation... Every situation, I think, includes those situations where we've been hurt. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Struggling to forgive, offer it up to God. 
Give him thanks for what he's done. Ask for his presence to come in and give you that peace that you need. He continues on in his letter, Paul writing, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Take that mental conversation that you're having and turn it around. Turn it toward Jesus. Get his thoughts going through your head. So I moved away from southwest Minnesota for college in my freshman year. I found myself just two or three weeks in. Just moved away, you know, feeling the freedom of college freshmen. And uh, I found myself in, in a circle of people at a church. I had gone to a, a campus crusade for Christ meeting at the college where I was at at the time. And at the end of the regular meeting, the pastor that was facilitating said, hey, we're going to just go back to the church. If anyone wants to come, we're just going to have a time of prayer. I'm like, wow, it's like 11 o'clock at night. You guys are going to go pray? That sounds kind of cool. I hadn't grown up in any environment that did anything quite like that. I'm going to check that out. And so I went. And there were probably 20 people there that went back to this church. It was a couple miles from campus. And we were just down in the basement, and he said, just break up into groups of, you know, five to ten, whatever. And I think three, maybe four groups joined, and I found myself sitting in a circle. And I'm thinking, this is kind of weird. I've never sat in a circle like this to pray quite in this way. And um, one of the people in our group said, is there anything that anyone wants to pray about? And, and a gal in the circle raised her hand and said, I just want to pray because I was in a fight today with my dad. And so the circle was there, and someone started leading out in prayer for this girl and for forgiveness, and, and that there would be reconciliation that would come. And I don't tell you this because it's weird, I tell you this because it was real. As I sat there in that circle, down on the floor in the basement of this church, the Holy Spirit grabbed hold of my heart. And as they prayed for this girl to be restored to her dad, all of those thoughts running around that silly bypass, all the arguments that I had had for 18, well, maybe 12 of the 18 years. I probably didn't argue much as a little kid. 12 years of arguments with my dad started flooding back in and, and I, I started hearing the prayers for this girl for me. The Holy Spirit had grabbed hold of my heart and was speaking to me as real as can be. And I, I began just... I didn't know what to do with it. This was so different. I'd never been in an experience like this. And I began just like, I didn't know what to do. I was like sobbing without sobbing. And, and I wanted to cry, but I didn't want to cry because I'm an 18-year-old college kid in front of a bunch of people. And, just, and I'm holding it in. And I heard 
the leader of this group say, I think we're praying for the wrong person right now. And as clearly as it could be in that circle, the prayer focus shifted. And they began praying for me. And and I hadn't said anything. And they began praying so much of the same things. And in that moment, I just said, yes. Okay. I didn't know what else to do. And and I just let it out. And by the time we were done, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I went back to my dorm room. I said, I got to call my dad. I got to call my dad. But if I call him at 2 o'clock, he's going to really be mad. So I waited until 6.30 when I knew he got up, and I, I called him at 6.30. I stayed up all night waiting for it to be time to call my dad, and I just said, Dad, I'm sorry. I need you to forgive me. I need to forgive you. I love you. I don't know how long it had been since I had said that to my dad. And that peace that passes all understanding was there. And I heard him crying on the other side. He said, I love you too, son. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) That's what it was. It wasn't an act of my will. And because of that, I know it's not impossible. It's completely possible because it's not just me. It's the power of God by his Holy Spirit running, coursing through us to show us his love so that we can show it to others. As an act of faith, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we believe that God is who he said he is. That the promises of the Bible are true. He established a covenant with us at the cross. A blood covenant that that gives us hope. That covenant promises us that he cares for us. He wants our best. He is just while still being merciful. He wants us to be more like Christ. He enables us to grow in Christ by the Holy Spirit. He puts us in little circles in church basements. We learn by faith that he is love. And we show that by being like Christ, who is our ultimate example of forgiveness. Is it possible to forgive as Christ has forgiven? If the love of Christ is flowing through you, absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. As we uh, move forward here, we're going to prepare for communion. And what a, what a perfect way to respond to this message. What a perfect way. Because it's the, the forgiveness we receive, it's all based on the blood shed by Christ on the cross. 
Every civilization, going back through history, had some form of a blood covenant. It was almost universal. We learn about it going all the way back in Genesis. Even Adam and Eve, they had sinned against God. What did he do? He clothed them with fur from an animal. Shed blood. Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices. And why was Abel's better? Because it had required blood. The covenant with Abraham was made in blood. And Jesus' new covenant that he declared and calls us to continue declaring was made in his blood. As we come to a time of communion, I want you to remember that. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood for you. 